Hey, Work Positive Nation, do you have what it takes to design a culture that's different? One that's designed to stand out, even in a distributed work culture, and transform your company into a best places to work winner? My guest today has been there, done that, and wrote the go-to manual for you to use to operationalize your culture. Ready to design a culture so you stand out? Then you're going to love this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome David Friedman to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. David, what a thrill it is to have you on. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you, Joey. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so culture wise, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not looking at this on YouTube or on our website at workpositive.today, you got to look at it because there's an amazing owl peeking over David's head. <laughs> Where'd you get that title culture wise? How did we come up with that? I think our partner and I thought of that name. Obviously, it's all about culture and it's about being wise about culture or more specifically, I know, you know, you talk about being a culture architect mm-hmm. and my point of view and experience is that the culture in any organization, I don't care what kind of organization, whether it's a company, a sports team, a family for that matter, right. mm-hmm. that the culture in any group of people has an enormous influence over what they do and how they do it. Mm. And so I figure that people, leaders ought to be purposeful and systematic in designing and creating the culture they want. And that's how you get wise about it. Mm. You said two really important words there, purposeful and intentional. And you intentionally and purposefully dropped both of those words into that sentence. First of all, what does it mean to be on purpose in designing a culture? Well, here's my experience, you know, when I think about this, Joe, and I think about every organization, as we all know, every group of people, not even limited to organizations, every group Mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. has a culture. Even a group of friends has a culture, Mm -hmm. you know, a way that we do things, an unwritten set of rules often about how people relate to each other, how they operate, what they Mm do. So cultures exist whether we want it to or not. (laughs) And so... What I have found in my experience, and most of us have seen this, is that if we don't create the culture, it gets created on its own. It's not like it's not happening. Oh, it's happening. Yes. And it's mostly created, in my experience, by those people who happen to have the most influential personalities in a group. Mm. So I think about often, think about a group of friends of yours and you're getting ready to go out to dinner and you're thinking like, where should we go? And somebody inevitably steps up and says, I got it. How about we go to Abby's Bar and Grill at 6.30? Like, who said Abby's Bar and Grill at 6.30? It was the leader. And these (laughs) leaders in every group of people, doesn't matter whether it's a company, a business, you know, a family, a group of friends, Uh there are people who have more influential uh, personalities and they tend to set the stage or set the tone for how this group operates. And the reason that that I I always like to point that out, and, and it goes to your question, is that in my experience, If we're not purposely, let's go to companies, if we're not purposely creating the culture, Mm. it's getting created on its own and it's getting created mostly 
by those who people who happen to have the strongest personalities. And those people aren't necessarily the designated managers, supervisors, and leaders. Right. Just people with strong personalities. And if if they happen to be wonderful people, we're in good luck. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, if some of the stronger personalities happen to be cynical jerks with lousy attitudes, and we've all had jerks in our companies, <laughs> those jerks end up influencing other people to be more like them. Mm. And the reason I say this is important is if we understand the impact that the culture is going to have on the performance of the organization, mm. why would I leave that to the whims of the strongest personalities? I should be purposeful. I should be intentional. I should be systematic in creating, designing and creating and building the culture that I want. Cause it's just too, it's too, it's too impactful to not do it. Because there's a culture vacuum there Yes. until that influential personality or can yes. we just say dominant personality? Yeah. Or can yeah, we just say like on our website at work positive today, I call them Kevin's right. Okay. Until that Kevin steps up into that space, be Kevin, or bad, right, wrong, morally immoral, ethical, unethical. Mm-hmm. Kevin's just dominant. And so he's going to fill that yes. vacuum and yep. bring his air to it. So how do I, as a leader, David Friedman, step up into that Kevin culture and be purposeful and intentional in creating a culture that's going to bring productivity and engagement, the kinds of things that we want out of a culture? Yeah, good question. So there is a very specific methodology that I teach for how to do that. Mm. And it comes from my background was that I had spent 27 years as the CEO of a company that I built from a couple of people to well over 100 people. And all of our success was based on the culture that we built in that company. It Mm. was everything for us. And I figured out a lot of things as a CEO about how to do that. So when I describe how the answer to your question, how do you do that? It comes from my experience as a CEO, not from a consultant standpoint, but from a practitioner standpoint, this is what I did. And this method I've taught to thousands and thousands of leaders. So it's a Mm -hmm. tried and true method. So brief version of that is I organize the steps that it takes to be really intentional and systematic in creating that culture Mm -hmm. around a framework that I call the eight step framework, eight different things. You do these eight things. This is how you design that culture and and really not just design it, but embed it in the company. Mm. And while all of the eight steps are important, if you just cut to the chase, let's just get right to it. Mm. There's two of the eight steps that drive a disproportionate amount of influence over success. In other words, you do these two things, you're going to be 80 or 90% of the way down the road to success. And if you don't do these, you won't get far. Mm-hmm. And those two things are number one, this is going to be really obvious, but how we go about defining with enough clarity exactly what we want the culture to be. Now, the reason mm-hmm. I say this is obvious, of course, is how could you purposely design the culture if you can't tell me, well, what is it you're designing? What do you want? Well, that's and okay. As Kevin can tell you what the culture sounds, is all about, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and as obvious as that sounds, my experience is that very, very few companies do this well. And I teach them a different way to do it than most people. So most people that you talk to that think they're doing a good job with this uh-huh. will write the stereotypical vision, mission, value stuff, and they'll have it all over their website. And I make a really big deal about the difference between what I call values and what I call behaviors, because I think they're different from each other. And I think the difference matters a lot. Mm-hmm. So to me, a value is typically an abstract concept. 
Mm-hmm. Quality, teamwork, loyalty, mm-hmm. respect, passion, commitment, innovation, they're all values. Mm-hmm. Behaviors are actions, yes. things people do. Mm-hmm. So some of the behaviors I teach in my company, just to give your audience a, a flavor, is are things like honor commitments, mm-hmm. practice blameless problem solving, mm-hmm. get clear on expectations. Hmm. Be a fanatic about response time. Listen generously. These are actions that people do. So a value is abstract, the behavior is actions. And the reason that that's important and not just semantics is that in my experience, the problem with most companies, not all, but most companies, traditional looking, big, lofty core values Mm -hmm. is they look wonderful on the website, but they're really hard to operationalize because they mean too many different things. Hmm. Behaviors, because they're more action-oriented, are easier to teach and coach. It's hard to coach somebody about their values, but I can coach them all day long about what I see them doing or maybe even not doing. So the first step in that eight-step framework is defining what are the behaviors that you say as a leader, if I could get my people to do these things consistently, that's the kind of culture I want to have in this company. And I give those behaviors a name. It's just my own nomenclature. I call them fundamentals because they're fundamental to success. Mm. So the first step to answer your question is you got to define with enough clarity, the fundamental behaviors that drive success in your business. And that's that really culture KPIs. If we can think about them like that. Yeah. You know, I, I believe David is, I'm sure you do too, that learning is better behavior. Absolutely. It's not assent to an abstract set of thoughts or beliefs even. Yeah. But yeah. when it affects my behavior and I'm acting like somebody that works for the Ackman Corporation and lives out of these values, right? I'm acting my way into that. So yes. it comes to behavior KPIs, which directly affect the productivity, the engagement. Absolutely. And we're clear about all that. So here's the way we act around the yes. Acme Corporation. This is the way yes. we treat each other. Oh, by the way, this is the way we treat our customers. And so there's yes. a clear sense of that. What is it that keeps, and and it's in our experience too, what is it that keeps companies from declaring KPIs in general, right, beyond the balance sheet, but KPIs for culture, what does that bear? I think the reason for that in my experience, Joe, is that for most people, most leaders, culture has always been a fluffy thing for them. (laughs) So if you ask them about culture, they'll say, well, You know, it's kind of like they can't quite get their arms around it. So it's hard to have KPI about it. I mean, there's a there's an exercise I used to do this. I don't do this anymore. Maybe I should. I used to do this exercise or this little sort of routine in talks that I do. Mm -hmm. And I would and it gets to your question here. I would I'd go around the room and I'd ask the leaders that typically with CEOs and I'd ask them, all right, on a one to five scale, I want you to tell me how important is culture to your bottom line? Like making money. One is not big. Five is huge issue. Mm. And I go around the room and I ask everybody and most of them will give it like a four or five. Most will give it a five. Sometimes they can get somebody gives it like a seven (laughs) on a one to five scale. So they know it's important. And then I ask them, all right, so let me ask you this. (laughs) And, And your audience can think about this as I'm doing this. How many of you have some written documented strategic plan for the year? Like, what are your initiatives, priorities you're going to get accomplished? And most of them have that. And then I'll ask them, so how many of you have some kind of a oh, a sales plan that documents your sales quotas and targets and how you're going to hit your sales number? Most of them have that. And I say, I'm assuming you all have a, a financial plan, a budget, a forecast of some sort. Of course, they have that. 
And then I'll ask them, so how many of you have a culture plan for how you're, how you're driving a specific written documented plan for how you're driving your culture? Virtually nobody. Mm. I'll say, so let me just make sure I understand this. You just told me this was a five in terms of its <laughs> impact seven. on the bottom line. <laughs> and you're just winging it, hoping maybe it'll work out. That's kind of crazy. It'd be like running your company without a financial plan. Yeah. And when I ask them, so why don't you? Mm. Most of them never thought about it that way before. They thought of culture as just this fluffy, intangible, amorphous thing that you really can't get your arms around. And so as long as we think of it as this squishy little thing, we're not going to have KPIs about it. We're not going to have a plan for it. We're not going to be structure for it. Mm. And, it and yet it's as important as you and I know it is. We ought right. to. Yeah, it just lacks that intentionality, right? For <laughs> and creates a vacuum in which Kevin rises up. Yes, exactly. So, David, it really doesn't matter what your financial goals are or any other KPIs that you set up. If your hands off the wheel of the culture KPIs, are you going to get there? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time. Yeah. It's going to be a circuitous route at best. Yeah. And Well, and it's going to be good. luck. It's going to be luck whether you get there. Mm, mm. You know, it, it, the analogy I was just giving you with not having a plan, mm -hmm. I think if you didn't have a financial plan, that doesn't mean you wouldn't make some progress or you wouldn't try to generate revenue or manage expenses, but your chances of hitting your goals would be a lot better if you had a plan that you're operating from. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have any culture plan, that doesn't mean we have a lousy culture. It doesn't mean we don't care about our people. But our chances of really hitting the, you know, really making it go are significantly diminished if we're just kind of winging it, hoping it all works out. Mm. Now, David, you said fundamentals. Yes. Now, one of your books is fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that book reflects these fundamentals. Absolutely. So that, that first book, Fundamentally Different, there's a chapter on each of the fundamentals of my company, um, my first company that I ran. Um, and how we built that. But uh, let me just touch on for you the second of those two steps, because I said there yes. were two of those eight steps that really drive it. I want to make right. sure your audience gets these, um, because the second is really the game changer in all of this, mm -hmm. and it's really simple. Mm -hmm. So first step we said was defining the culture really clearly mm -hmm. in terms of a set of behaviors that you say, if I could get my people to do these things, to act this way, we're going to be more successful. The second step, because having said that, there are many companies who've written some behaviors, but nobody does any of them. <laughs> so the fact that we wrote them doesn't actually mean that anybody's doing any of it. But they sound good, David. They look good on the website, though. Yeah. <laughs> so unless we can somehow operationalize that, we're not getting very far. And the key to that, to operationalizing it, is a ridiculously simple concept that I call creating rituals. So a ritual to me is a routine. It's something we do over and over and over again. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. You go to a ball game, we do the national anthem. Some people before a meal, they say a prayer. They're just routines. Mm -hmm. And the reason that rituals are so foundational to success in my experience is that most people aren't very good at sticking with things. You know, we start mm -hmm. the diet and exercise program that doesn't last. Mm -hmm. We roll out the program at work that doesn't last. Mm -hmm. When something becomes a ritual, it's not hard to do. It's just what we do. Mm -hmm. So the way we use that simple idea is we take these fundamentals, these behaviors, we roll it out to all the employees in highly interactive, engaged work sessions. Mm -hmm. And then we begin to focus on one fundamental each week mm -hmm. through a series of rituals. Mm 
Mm. I'll give you an example in just a second. So week number one, everybody in the company and every department, every location all week long is thinking about working on focusing on fundamental number one. Mm. The week after that, everybody in the company is focused on number two. And the week after that, three, four, five, and we get to the end, we cycle through them over and over and over and over again for the rest of our lives. Mm. So simple example, just to illustrate what I mean. In my company and every one of the clients I've ever worked with, one of the rituals we practice is the first every meeting we have in my company this week, whether it's a virtual meeting or an in-person meeting, any meeting week that goes on in my company this week, Mm. the first agenda item of every single meeting is our fundamental of the week. So, and we do a three to five minute conversation about it. So my fundamental in my company this week happens to be one that we call create win-win solutions always looking for how do we both get what we're looking for. So every meeting, everywhere in my company, the first thing we do this week is we spend a few minutes talking about win-win solutions. A few minutes, then we move on. We don't want to take over the meeting. Mm. Next week, every single one of our meetings starts with next week's fundamental, the week after the next one. Mm. And so if, if think about your audience, think about your company and imagine if this week, every single one of your employees in every single meeting, we're all talking about the same principle. Think about the power that that has to teach and influence behavior. And so we create a number of rituals like that. There's a variety of different rituals we practice that give us lots of chances all week long this week to think about work on practice, focus on creating win-win solutions. And next week, if we do it with next week's fundamental and we keep cycling through them over and over and over and over and over again, mm. sooner or later, these behaviors are just going to become second nature. They just become the way we think. They become the, the lens through which we look at the world. Mm. And that's the whole point. And so there's there's six other steps to the framework that deal with things like how do you attract the people who are going to fit your culture and how do you integrate them into your culture and how do you coach them, et cetera. But the core of it is this really simple concept that if we can define in really clear terms, those behaviors that you want to be to you want your culture to be about, and then we can create a structured, systematic way to teach those behaviors over and over and over and over and over again with enough repetition. Those behaviors are going to become internalized. Oh, and that is such a so dramatically, simple. fundamentally different model than going off to a retreat and expecting that culture to yes. be written over a weekend. Uh, yeah. bringing in an expert like you or me to fire hose people for a couple of days, yeah. right? Yeah. Human behavior just doesn't change that quickly. It Not without repetition. It's got to be repetition. I love that word ritual because it becomes such a part of who we are. It's that, as you said, the lens, our perspective through which we view yep. not only work, but life, right? It it's does. Creating win-win solutions goes home with me. It goes into my HOA, goes into the, you know, the yes. citizen meetings. I have heard so many times from clients of ours and my own company mm. that employees talk about how I'm a better father, husband, son, daughter, whatever, yes. because I'm practicing these things at work because they do just affect how you look at the world. Mm. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. And that's really the transformation we're after for yes. a positive work culture, right? It's not transactional. You don't no. drop a quarter in, pull the lever and get a gumball of culture, right? Yeah. It's that consistent reinforcement, the engagement with people. Um, you've mentioned coaching a couple of times as well. How does coaching fit into the creation through these rituals of purpose and intentionality for this positive culture? Yeah. So coaching is the sixth step in my eight-step framework. Okay. And it's all about... Primarily 
how you use those fundamentals and specifically the language, because language is very powerful. Mm. You know, creating a common language has an enormous impact. Yes. And so when we use that language in the day-to-day coaching that we're doing with team members, mm. we're pulling it off the wall or off the website and we're bringing it to real life. So mm. give it a really simple example. One of the fundamentals I mentioned in my company, it's actually in all of our clients because it's so important. I call it honor commitments. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Big deal. Huge impact on effectiveness. So let's suppose you were in my company and I was coaching. We had a situation where maybe we had failed to do what we promised to do for one of our customers. Mm. And I'm giving you some coaching about that. And I say, Joey, you know, remember, one of our most important fundamentals in our company is to honor our commitments. So let's talk about this client. Mm. And let's look at where are the commitments we made and what do we need to do to make sure we've honored every single one of those commitments. Now, I could teach you the same thing. And if I fail to use the language Mm. of honor commitments, it doesn't mean it wasn't a good lesson, but I would have missed a golden opportunity to connect those dots, Mm -hmm. to have you appreciate that the stuff we told you when we hired you and the stuff that was on our website, (laughs) that's not just signage. That's actually how we do things in our company. Mm. So the key in the coaching is to be making sure we're integrating the language of the fundamentals into, or whatever your culture is, into the day-to-day coaching. Mm. And that's how people see that, oh, this is actually real stuff. This isn't just theory. This is how we do things in this company. Mm. And that's the, the cornerstone of it. Oh, yeah. David Friedman is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Culturewise.com is the website that you want to go to unless you're on the Peloton or walking your dog. Uh, And it's in the show notes and you can go there and pick it up. Also, we have links in the show notes to Fundamentally Different. And then another book I want to talk about that you've written, uh, David, what's the second one? And you've actually updated it most recently. Yeah. So the second book is called Culture by Design. And there's a second edition of the second edition. I updated it to include remote and hybrid work environments and how do those concepts tweak a little bit to apply to those kinds of circumstances. You know, the difference between the first book, Fundamentally Different and Culture by Design, is that Fundamentally Different was written about my first company and how we created our culture. And it was never written as a how-to manual. But a lot of people kind of read it that way. But I I didn't write it. I wrote it just about my company. That's all I want to do. Right, right. The second book, Culture by Design, is the the how-to manual. It is the eight-step framework, how you do it. It is very very prescriptive. This is how you go about doing it. Mm. It is the plan for how to do it. Okay. All right. So we, we get the methodology as well as the methods that we've been talking about. Full methodology is explained in detail there. Okay. So when I go to culturewise.com, what am I going to find there, David? Yeah. So culturewise is my company. So Mm -hmm. I started out after I'd written that first book, that first book led to people asking me to speak about that and which wasn't my plan, but it happened. (laughs) And as people heard me speak, a lot of them said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Could you help me do that in my company? And next thing I knew I was launching a second company. And so my second company culture wise has worked with more than 600 organizations, helping them implement that methodology that I was describing. So that methodology over the last number of years, I've built software and a mobile app and tools and systems and processes and all kinds of things Mm -hmm. around how to help a company 
implement that methodology. Mm-hmm. So if you go to CultureWise, you'll see descriptions of the methodology and the, the sources and the way we do it, and lots and lots of videos that are educational videos as well. So I'm doing a lot of videos to teach these concepts, and they're all on the, the website. Yeah, so there's content we can pick up and begin using today. Yes, absolutely. As well absolutely. as um, a way of reaching out to you and finding out yes. how we can begin these eight steps in our own companies. Exactly. Yes. That's excellent. So again, culturewise.com is the website. Fundamentally different was the first book that's still available on wherever fine books are sold. And then there's two editions of the culture by design. And the latest one uh, takes into account the distributed workforce that we have now uh, and how to create a a great culture with them. Absolutely fascinating. David, one of the things I so appreciate about you is that you did it Mm. and you did it in such a way that then when others started asking you, it brought a con- integrity, it brought a confidence into that. And I really get sense from you that you're an eager learner. And so I'm sure as you began testing the waters with those 600 companies, you were like, okay, it worked in my company. How's it working in this company? So really what you've done is learned and learned and learned over these 600 yeah. companies to get to where you are today with CultureWise. That's a very accurate statement, Joey. And, and there are like anything, there are best practices that have evolved. You do it 600 times, you develop the best practices. So as an example, there's a way to roll this out to employees to get them engaged. Mm. There's a best practice for how to do that. That works. It's in the book, it's on the website, but there are ways to do this that have been proven over and over and over again to be really effective. And, and I should say that it's not hard to do. You know, typically from the time when we're talking with somebody, whether they use us or do it on their own, from the time they start the process till they're rolling out their fundamentals and they're practicing them every week is usually about 45 to 60 days. Mm. So this is not some massive six-year project. (laughs) Very rapidly, somebody can do this and see rapid results. Mm. And it sounds to me like you're empowering the entire organization, you know, whether it's top, bottom, you certainly got to have buy-in from the top, but everyone yes. in the organization is empowered to take hold of the culture and bring about these values. I would agree with that. I just would add one small caveat that I think you're saying, but I want uh-huh. your, your audience to hear it this way, uh-huh. is that yes, everybody is empowered. Everybody plays a role in that. Mm-hmm. And it still is driven from the top. Mm-hmm. That yes. one of the mistakes that I see companies make, at least from my perspective, and I say this to CEOs all the time, is sometimes CEOs make this too collaborative a process mm-hmm. and they want to gather everybody's input and see what they think the culture is. And I say, this is a leadership function. Oh. If I'm the CEO, it is my responsibility mm. to be the author of what is it we're trying to build around here. Mm. Now, I have, I'm an advocate for the inclusion of the senior leadership team. Sure. But the language I use for that is I say, if I were the CEO, I'm going to include my senior leadership team for their contribution Mm. to my thinking. Mm. In other words, I care about them. They've got, they're smart people and they got good ideas and their ideas are valued and can influence mine. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's not a majority vote. It's not a consensus. It's not, let's make sure everybody on the team got some of what they wanted. It's what I, as the leader want my company to be about. That's what a leader's job is. Yeah. And I think many people have gotten very soft and fuzzy about that Mm -hmm. and tried to create something that everybody will like. Oh, Mm. it's a leadership function. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to please everyone in the company, that's a zero sum game, right? And and that's one of the the responsibilities of leadership is to point the direction. Here's where we're going. 
Let's go. Absolutely. A lot of what I learned, I learned from an experience that I had many years ago at the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain, Mm. where they're just an amazing company and they do a lot of things in their culture to create that amazing company. And I patterned some of what I learned from them. But the reason I raised this is the guy who created their culture and was their longtime CEO and founder was a guy named Horst Schulze, who's legendary in the service world. Mm. Um, I had a chance to have dinner with him. And then I also interviewed him on my own podcast. Um, And he's an amazing guy. And one of the things he said to me on this topic is he said to me that in his view, the two most important roles of a CEO Hmm. are number one, that as CEOs, we are responsible for the vision of our company that we're talking about here. It's my job. It's your job to say, this is where we're going. That's our our job. The second thing he said, which relates to what we're talking about today, is he said that In addition to being responsible for the vision of the company, we as CEOs are responsible for the standards of the company. Mm. There's a set of standards for how we operate in this company. And my job is to be responsible for that. I can't abdicate that responsibility. That's Mm. what leaders do. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so many leaders have gotten so soft and squishy about that stuff because they're trying to satisfy everybody. Oh, I don't want anybody to be upset. I want to make sure everybody feels good about it. This is where we're going. This is the way we're going to do it. If that doesn't work for you, you probably should work in a different company because this is where we're going here. Right. And this is the way we're going to get there by the standards, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love for you to be a part of it. But if you don't want to be, you should go somewhere else. Yeah. And so it becomes a process of self-selection then through the clarification of here's the vision. Here's how we're going to get there. Yes. And and that really gives people confidence, not only in the leader, David, mm-hmm. but also in their role in the organization. Absolutely. You know, what is my unique contribution to make here? How does it fit through those standards into that vision? Absolutely. David Friedman is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. CultureWise.com is a website. Fundamentally Different and Culture by Design are the books. You can catch all that in the show notes. David, Work Positive Nation always wants to know one thing from my guest, and that is, what is your one thing that you would say to Work Positive Nation? Go do this today. Do this one thing to create a positive work culture right where you are. I would say the one thing would be to define the culture you want in terms of a set of behaviors that drive success in your company. Mm. It's not cotton candy. (laughs) What do you want? it's, It's a filet mignon. You know, here's yep. the behavior. This is where we're going to hit it. Absolutely. David, thank you so much again. WorkPositiveNationCultureWise.com is the website. David Friedman, uh, you'll find him there along with all sorts of great videos that he's done for you. And uh, check out those books, Fundamentally Different and Culture by Design. You'll be glad that you did. David, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Man, I love the way that you talk about working not only from your company, but through these other 600 companies. And each one of them has built an accumulation of wisdom because that's what we're looking for today. We've got knowledge. I can Google anything. And with you know GPT-4, I can even write a report about what it was that I just uh, researched. But the wisdom of these best practices, what a great contribution to work cultures all over the world. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Joey. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. 
Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.